Hey there, Bill Shirk, the man about the woods here. Today, we're going back in time with what I call a Minnesota-bound podcast classic. Really, the stories behind the stories. In March of 2020, Ron and I sat down literally the week COVID started making global headlines. We sat together and discussed Minnesota's greatest gift, one that still gives and provides all of us with clean water and wild spaces. I hope you enjoy. Well, hey there. Welcome to the Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories. Bill Shirk, the man about the woods here, and I am hunkered down in my outpost in front of the uh, wood stove that is cranking away. The walls are up around the property, and we are riding out this virus thing that uh, is gripping all of us right now. Uh, That's the bad news. The good news is I still have phone service and computer service. So, I've got uh, the star of the show with me, Ron Shera. Ron, can you hear me? I can hear you, Bill. I, I got to get out of the garage. I've been playing with my fishing tackle. <laughs> Is that what you're doing while you're confined to your home? You're going through? Well, you know, I had to do it sooner or later. So um, I got not, nothing much else to do except write a few things or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I spent several hours in the garage the last three days. Uh, going over stuff, as I told you earlier, uh, I, I took a, a messy uh, bunch of tackle and rearranged them into a new mess. So that's about that's about my skills for organization. <laughs> my, my advice is to get the hula poppers and the river runs out. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, those are old good lures. They're all good. So uh, trans. <laughs> Transparency, uh, being locked home with uh, the wife and boys, uh, the boys have actually been carving their own baits the last few days. And you get one guess as to the two baits they've been trying to carve. Well, the Rapala has to be one of them. River runts and hula poppers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I said... The river runs the one of the first lures that I remember, and then of course hula popper is uh, still still well known lure. So there you go. Yeah, and uh, I can guarantee that the baits they're carving and painting up will float. Beyond that, time will tell if we're allowed to get back on the water at some point. Uh, while your bo- boys while your boys are carving, let me add this. Uh, I went to. Uh, Finland to do a story on Rampla, and you've been there as well. And one of the things they asked me to do, they had a little deal there. They said, well, here, Lori Rapla carved the first Rapla lures. Here's some balsa here. Here's a, see, see what you can do. And they had a, uh, they had a bunch of us sitting around trying to carve our own Rapalas and add the, uh, uh, the tinfoil from the, uh, Bubble gum or chewing gum and yep. candy and wrapper. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, um, I I went along with it, but my rapla, uh, would, I don't think it would even catch hell. So there you go. Yeah, you know it's amazing that first rapala bait, as I remember, was 
balsa on the inside. Um, like you said, foil wrapper from candy. And then for an, for a coating on the outside, he used a film negative or rapolidine yes. that he kind of melted down around the outside of that bait. Who knew? Yeah, it's, that's an amazing story. Uh, another amazing story, which is the whole reason I gave you a buzz today. Um, our greatest gifts to ourselves here in Minnesota, um, something very near and dear to your heart. And that is our outdoor legacy amendment. You know, I think people hear about it a lot um, back when it was being debated. I think it was big news. But, you know, now that the amendment has passed, is implemented, I don't know that people necessarily think much about it these days, well, unless you're well, one of the folks trying to get the money, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that's very true. Um, this was passed in, uh, by voters in uh, 2008, in the 2008 election. And so, you know, we've got 12 years have gone by, and there's a lot of younger people now. You, you mentioned the Legacy Amendment, and they go, they look at you like, what? What's that? And I said, well, you know, you, you pay sales tax. Yeah. I said, well, some of this money now is going to preserving wetlands for you. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Well, um, uh, sadly, that, that's true. But I mean, those things always happen. And that's one reason why Minnesota Bond, we did uh, a special about that we call our greatest gift. And, and uh, it's always a pleasure for me to talk about it because it really is a, a miracle for Minnesotans to do this. Minnesotans voted to tax themselves in 2008 during a, during a, a mild recession uh, and to add sales tax that would be devoted to four different programs. 33% um, of the money would be going to the Clean Water Fund, 33% to the Outdoor Heritage Fund, which is Fish and Wildlife Habitat, and 19, a little less than 20% to the arts and around 14% uh, uh, to uh, parks and trails. And what this amounts to is what we did was, if you buy something now in Minnesota for 10 bucks, you're paying four more cents in sales tax because of what the voters did. This four cents bill, it, it, it is remarkable what it can amount to in one year. I think this uh, past year, 2019, um, it amounted to over $300 million. The four yeah. cents, the four yeah, cents. Don't they say in, the an in, an, in an average economy, it's there, the guesstimate is about 250 to 270. So in a good economy, we have more money. When things get a little bit lean, we have less money. Um, yeah, so yeah, that, that is that a would be true. That is a staggering number. Well, it is, and there's I can't tell you how many states would kill for something like this. Now, I have a personal knowledge of part of this because I've had the honor of being on the Lassard Sam's Council, which is a group of eight citizens and four legislators uh, that. Uh, uh, listen to all of the fish and wildlife habitat uh, proposals 
from people who are looking for a handout. These might be the local DNR, could be the Fish and Wildlife Service, could be Pheasants Forever, could be Ducks Unlimited, on and on. Uh, any uh, Trout Unlimited groups that have a have a have a habitat uh, program in their for, for their existence. And we don't take uh, we don't take uh, proposals for sending out a bunch of educational materials. Uh, or whatever. It has to be habitat. It has to be on the ground. Either fix up a trough stream, restore a, a wetland, uh, restore prairies, uh, do something with the forest to improve them, take care of invasive species, uh, stuff like that. And um, and this past year, we had like uh, $129 million to hand out. Wow. Wow. And, and yeah. I suppose there are people who are going to hear this and say, well, why, why do we need the money? What do we need it for? You know, do we really need to protect? We're the land of 10,000 lakes. We've got great deer hunting. We've got the boundary waters. We've got lakes, trout streams, you know, pheasant hunting. Do we really need to do anything more? Well, I think the answer is yes. Well, of course, the answer is yes. The other thing is, if you want to keep those things, um, we better work on it. But the other truth is, um, you know, 90, 90 plus percent uh, of all the native prairies in Minnesota are gone. They've been gone for years, plowed up. And uh, so uh, a few people are struggling to keep what we have left. Um, we've, we've drained, again, 90 some percent of our wetlands. Uh, if you want some ducks, I mean... What, what are you going to do? Uh, go, go to the carnival and see if you can win some or something? I mean, um, so uh, we have trout streams that through agriculture and excessive rainfall, et cetera, get torn up and and uh, the trout habitat is washed away, et cetera. So is that, is that what you want to fish the rest of your life? No, we can fix these sure. things. And, uh, and, and so that's what that's all about. The other thing, Bill, as you well know, Minnesotans are avid outdoor people, and uh, they have a special place in their heart for taking care of the outdoors, uh, things that they enjoy or things that their family enjoys or uh, things that they know their friends enjoy. So that's, that's great. We're, we're, we're known for that, and, and God bless all of us for that. You know, when I think about the water portion of this, think about the delta the end of the Mississippi River in New Orleans. That's, that's soil that has come from us. Arguably, some of that is used to be Minnesota. Erosion, it washes away. On the other side of things, if you go north, Lake Winnipeg, well, guess what? Lake Winnipeg now is one of the most threatened lakes on the entire planet Earth. And a source of a lot of walleyes, yeah. The, the majority of the walleyes that people in Minnesota eat at restaurants come from Lake Winnipeg. That lake has a delta coming out of the Red River running north, again, caused by soil that we're not keeping here <laughs> in our state and the Dakotas, too. You know, but, but the point is we have altered the landscape over the last 150 years, and we can't take it back to... Minnesota will never look like it did 200 years ago, but I think we have to make an effort to at least 
protect and rehabilitate what we can, right? Yeah, uh, the, the issue is so big, um, Bill, that this uh, the the millions of dollars I just mentioned are it's a good thing, but it's a drop in a bucket on what we could do. But you know, you're making a little bit of progress, as you said, and and you also answered the question: uh, Do we need to do much? Because you just named the Minnesota River and the Mississippi River as carrying huge loads of siltation and chemicals, farm chemicals, et cetera, et cetera. And you mentioned the Red River of the North, thanks to North Dakota and and Minnesota, uh, dumping again uh, a bunch of poisonous materials into Lake Winnipeg. So yeah, we have a lot to do yet. Most people agree that we need to lower our carbon footprint while providing reliable and affordable energy. A diverse energy mix will provide reliability and affordability, which is extremely important during Minnesota's four distinct seasons. Fortunately, a clean energy solution for tomorrow is available today. That's ready to work alongside with other energy sources, and it's propane. Propane produces 43% fewer emissions than electricity generated from the U.S. grid. Propane is energy stored on site and independent from the vulnerabilities of the grid. And propane's benefits don't end there. Major advances are being made today for renewable propane that is compatible with the traditional propane and requires no additional infrastructure investments. Minnesota needs to use all our low-carbon alternatives, including propane, to safely provide energy, reliability, resiliency, and affordability. Propane, the right energy right now. To find out more about what propane can do for you, visit propane.com. Also, a shout-out to our friends at Connecticut Water. You know, spring is so close, and that means that the Shirk family will be back at the cabin sooner versus later, I hope. And that means Connecticut water in the woods. You see, last summer, we were lucky enough to add Connecticut at the cabin. And oh boy, what a difference. For as long as I can remember, we've dealt with that stinky, foul well water. But after a painless four-hour installation, we now have Connecticut soft water and also Connecticut's K5 drinking system. No more bottled water to try and make that early morning coffee. Great drinking water right out of our K5 tap. Our laundry no longer smells funny. And Connecticut water cleaned up the showers and the dishes. The world's most efficient, worry-free water system. Visit Connecticut.com to find a dealer near you and join the Connecticut family. If you own a lake home or if you have a pond on your property, you need to call the Aquaside Company. Aquaside has been helping people maintain healthy lake shores and ponds for over 68 years. Aquaside products are easy to use and begin working right away. Aquaside is registered with both the Environmental Protection Agency and Department of Natural Resources. Don't let weeds overtake your lake or pond this summer. Call Aquaside today. They'll help you identify problematic weed types, assist with product selection, and calculate application rates. Aquaside will make sure lake fronts look great all summer long. You can call them at 1-800-328-9350 or go to Aquaside.com. Check with your state agency for local application guidelines. You know... I remember us talking when you were working on the special for Minnesota Bound. How do we make the suburban house mother care? 
about this. And I and I'm being general when I say that, right? I'm not I'm not <laughs> picking sure. on house moms. But we wanted the average person, we wanted to impact them and touch them, even if this didn't directly relate to them. Maybe they don't camp, maybe they don't fish, but why should they care? And it's part of our I think part of the answer is it's our legacy. It's who we are and it's what our state is. And I think we well, have an obligation. Yeah. Um, that argument might fall a little short to the Burnsville housewife that's got other concerns. But one concern I know she would have, as we all would have, is what is what is my drinking water like that I'm feeding my family? And, you know, Pheasants Forever and other groups, uh, writers like myself and yourself, we preached about, hey, we need more grasslands for pheasants. We've got to have more grasslands for pheasants. And some people who don't care about pheasants, don't care about hunting pheasants, say, oh, these people, they just want more feathered targets to shoot. It was only after uh, news started coming out that, uh, hey, the, the water in many places in southern Minnesota is ill-fit to drink, swim in, fish in, whatever, and it's because we've got uh, We've got poison coming off the, the the farmland, and we need to stop it by planting, creating grasslands. And suddenly, mm -hmm. suddenly, everybody's interested in grasslands. And that's maybe what the message should have been from the beginning, not just pheasants, but you and I both know. If we increase the grasslands, we're going to clean up the water, but here's a nice thing. We're also going to produce some pheasants. You know, you look at Des Moines, Iowa, right? Oh, yes. They've had to develop these water treatment plants. And I think they've connected the phosphorus in the water source to agriculture, right? Nit and nitrates. Nitrates. And, 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 I mean, we're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars and thousands and thousands and thousands of people impacted by these things and to a point we're dealing with the same stuff but going back to the amendment i think people said you know this is something we can do in perpetuity right the, the constitution was changed in 2008 but this goes forever now every year this money will be collected and distributed so as you said well, Bill, there are a lot of other states just chopping to have what we have yeah it actually uh, has a sunset at 25 years um so it's now 10 years old and so it means there's 15 more years of collecting this money the sales tax for these purposes hmm. unless the voters vote to keep it going which I'm guessing, I may not be around to worry about it, but I'm guessing the voters will. Um, but get this, you know, in the last uh, 10 years, I think it was, um, uh, I'm trying to find the figure here. It was, it, it's amazing. <clears throat> um, in the last 10 years, the legacy amendment, that's just the fish and wildlife part of it, has has been $850 million. Yeah. There aren't, I, I'm telling you, there's not a state in the union that can even match that and what they spent on fish and wildlife habitat. I mean, this is part 
of the miracle. This is part of the greatest gift that we've given ourselves. And uh, uh, so, like I said, I, I I can't imagine that this is going to end. Although it's it's uh, the legislature um, wrote that into the bill that in 25 years it would end, unless the voters, of course, want to keep it going again. So, what happens then to the constitutional amendment? Would it be changed or rescinded? What happens then? Well, uh, I think um, the constitutional amendment require that this money be spent on fish and wildlife habitat and other things. But if there's no money, then it's almost mute. Um, Got it. But now you're, you know, I'm not a lawyer uh, or a legislator. (laughs) Actually, I'm kind of, I'm kind of proud of that, but uh, (laughs) um, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be around to worry about it. You can worry about it, Bill. The point, the point is, at 25 years, people will either revote to keep this thing going, or uh, they will pass on it, and then we move on to a new project. Well, they don't even have to revoke it. It it automatically ends in 25 years, unless the voters mm-hmm. have the option to keep it going. So that's what will happen 15 years from now, 15 years from now. In the meantime, the money's still flowing, and uh, uh, and there's no end to the projects. Um, I can't tell you as a trout fisherman myself, like you are to uh, see some of the before and after pictures of trout stream work in the, in the Southeast and Northeast part of the state done by uh, uh, Trout Unlimited, other volunteers, the Lake Superior Steelhead Association, uh, et cetera. I can't tell you how about going out like County and other places in Western Minnesota and seeing, um, the basin of a wetland that was growing nothing because it was too wet to plant and too dry to to uh, raise ducks in, have it restored into mm-hmm. a living marsh. Um, you know, uh, it's heartwarming. Like I said, we got a lot to do, but it's we're making some progress. That's that's more than what you could have said ten years ago. Well, I was going to ask, and I'm not being facetious by asking this, but is it having an impact? I would say uh, it is um, in small ways in various counties where they've pieced together pieces of, say, wetlands and grasslands. Um, Yes, it's had an impact. uh, you know, you're not going to go out in your backyard and see the sky full of, of uh, birds because of it, but it, it it will have an impact. But, you know, I think it's hard for us to realize because this this is this change in the Minnesota landscape, particularly the southern half of the state, has been a hundred year process. So it's yes. it's hard for us to really see just the extent of the change of of how much has been drained and how much drainage tile and drainage ditches are are in the state now that were never there and how many and and so i don't think we really know we can't get our heads around just how extreme uh the changes have been in the minnesota landscape and so you know in a puny way we're trying to restore some of that so it's better than nothing, Bill. You know, you talk 
Yeah, you talk about the trout streams in the Driftless region, um, the glaciers that created the Great Lakes, kind of came down Superior and came towards what is now the Twin Cities and sort of hit the brakes at about Red Wing. The glaciers ended there. So that part of Minnesota never got flattened out. So it's still bluffs with the trout streams. It's what they call the Driftless region. And I, I might have my numbers wrong here, but it's like 2,500 miles worth of trout water. And much of that has been degraded over the past century. And so we talk about rehabbing, oh, I don't know, realistically, what, 20 miles, 15 miles of trout water a year. And so, yes, it is a drop in the bucket, but you know what? We are rehabbing miles worth of water. And if you get out and walk, well, now that's some distance, right? So yes. we are making improvements. You know, it's just on the grand scale, it's hard to understand. But in small doses, if you live in a town where the marsh out behind town has been brought back to life, that's a big deal. That's a big win. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stories like that now because of the uh, fund. Um, you, you mentioned early on about a lot of folks, or I did, or you did, they're unaware of the legacy amendment. And I just found a statewide survey that was done in 2016. This is almost sad. More than 90% of the Minnesotans surveyed could not name any of the funds supported by their sales tax, uh, which, you know, I guess maybe they had other things to worry about. They're raising kids and they got bills to pay, et cetera. And the four cents on their increase in their sales tax on a $10 purchase meant nothing. And so they, life goes on and they'll, uh, they say, well, take care of it. So we are. The other thing, when it first came out, Bill, there was a lot of suspicion by sportsmen's clubs, especially, who said, oh, this is just another government deal. They're going to, they want more of our tax money and they're going to spend it on uh, welfare and uh, schools and, uh, you know, bottomless pits, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it'll never It'll never be used for what they said it's going to be. And, of course, the constitutional amendment that you mentioned earlier guaranteed that the legislature could not divert it. They cannot mm -hmm. divert it. But here's what listeners ought to keep in mind. The legislature may not divert it, but, you know, they used to spend a lot of our income tax money on, say, uh, state DNR fish management programs. Now, in the last 10 years, they've spent nothing on fish management programs because they assumed that our fishing license money, the Dingle Johnson money, and this legacy amendment will take care of the fishing problems in this state. Uh, so that's what lawmakers do that they shouldn't be doing. They're not supposed to do that either, but uh, they, they get away with it. A little bit of a shell game, right? Money's not under this shell. Don't worry, it's over there now. Well, it is. Uh, it's not the first time uh, it's it's happened, but uh, at least we have the constitutional amendment that says the legislature you can you can change the recommendations, but you can't change them from uh, restoring a wetland to uh, filling potholes. So that we have that going for us.
I'm Bill Shirk, and you are listening to the Minnesota Bound Podcast, the stories behind the stories. Again, we have all these great partners who help us uh, get to you each week. Um, I want to thank the Minnesota Historical Society. Um, right now, on behalf of the Minnesota Historical Society, the History Center is presenting Sherlock Holmes, the exhibition. You can step into Victorian London and explore the world of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's world-famous detective. Seriously, you can. You can learn about the powers of observation, deduction, and the science while solving an interactive mystery. You can try hands-on gadgets and experiments that are based on real forensics and kind of make learning fun. See exactly how Sherlock influenced both real detectives and pulp pop culture. Last chance, the exhibit closes April 2nd. You can learn more at mnhs.org slash Sherlock MN. Also, a shout out to our friends at Star Bank. Hi there, Ron Shera here for Star Bank. If you're putting your money into mega banks down the street, who knows where that money's being used? Bank locally. Keep your money local with a community bank that actually cares about you, your family, your business, and your goals. Check out the bank we use at Minnesota Bound. Try Minnesota's own Star Bank. You can find them online at starbank.net. When you call Star Bank, you actually hear a real living person answering the phone. StarBank has 10 convenient locations around Minnesota to serve you and all the mobile banking products that you need to manage your money. Check out all that StarBank has to offer at StarBank.net. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Ready for a women-forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. Ten cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. Well, without sounding too thick here, um... This week's episode is called The Greatest Gift uh, of What You Say to Ourselves, but you played a big role in that. You fought long and hard, as did your good friend Gary Leaf, who was very outspoken and put in more than a couple of hours on this deal. And, and when we use the word legacy, you guys helped create it for our state. Well, thank you. I certainly wasn't just a few of us there. Um, you know, what amazed me is uh, the arts people, they were getting a little bit of it. And so they stepped up and contacted their legislators. Um, uh, sportsmen did, of course, hunters and anglers. Um, and of course, clean water sp speaks for itself and everybody can associate with parks and trails. And so there's quite a you know, when you add it all up, that's a heck of a high percentage of Minnesotans involved. And um, mm -hmm. it was especially fun for me because uh, in about a three-day deal, I had, I got to fly around Minnesota with Bud Grant, of all people, and, and Bob Lassard. Uh, talk about two guys to fly around with. And we would, <laughs> we would have press conferences in Moorhead and 
Mankato and Duluth and and uh, St. Cloud, etc. And uh, and of course, when Bud Grant's in town, uh, the media shows up, and we got to pitch for this legacy amendment. Now, a lot of people get this: the Star Tribune was opposed to it. My the paper I work for editorially, they opposed it. I go, are you kidding me? But anyway, um, uh, everybody. Not, oh, they didn't like these kind of things. They were you were you. Uh, uh, dedicate money to one thing. They want to have it dedicated to anything that comes along, I guess. And so consequently, uh, you know, the Ducks don't have any lobbyists. And so <laughs> so when it comes to handing out the money, guess who gets the littlest amount? And anyway, they lost. Uh, Minnesotans voted for it overwhelmingly. Over 60% of the voters approved it. Um, and but a lot of people didn't think it was going to pass. I had no doubt it was going to pass because you and I have hung around Minnesota and hung around with Minnesota outdoor people. You know their passion. And this was a chance if they if, if they understood it correctly, there was no way they were going to vote no. Well, and if you think back, remember the uh, duck hunters who went to the state capitol? Yes. Right. That was a show of force. Yes. I mean, that plaza was covered in people in signs demanding the state do something yep deer hunters did the well, same thing uh, back in the 70s so this is the minnesota bound podcast the stories behind the stories uh we are talking about this week's episode of the television show uh an episode you wrote ron on our greatest gifts to ourselves as minnesotans and that is the Outdoor Legacy Amendment and the money raised through a sales tax, self-imposed, that we all voted for, that, that raises money for clean water um, and habitat and natural resources here in the state. I, I'd, I'd be amiss if I didn't mention our uh, partners who help make this podcast happen every week. Of course, our good friends at Starbank and Connecticut and Ice Castles, and uh, the good folks at Rapala and Hewitt Docks, we really appreciate your support. And uh, I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to do for the next week here. We're all hunkered down at home. Suppose I need to get through my tackle boxes too. Well, you get listen. You have as you have more tackle than I do. I suspect because, <laughs> and um, so I think you have a lot of rearranging you could do. And uh, count your lure, uh, count your rods. How, how many fishing rods have you got? Don't tell me, because uh, I might have more. But uh, you know what I mean. I will tell you a funny story. Um, I had our good friends from Starbank in the boat a year ago. We had Wally and Harry, and we were up in Canada, and the wind was blowing, uh, and we were on this spot snapping walleyes very near a pile of rocks on. Uh, a big part of Lake of the Woods. And, and I chuckled a little bit and I said, you know, one year ago, and it was one year to the day, um, I was in that very spot and put my rod down to net a fish for somebody and kind of looked forward to see my rod slide over the front of the boat. That is the only rod I have ever lost uh, in my lifetime that I can think of. And 
It was only like seven feet of water, crystal clear. Couldn't find it. Couldn't see a thing. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to so tell she, me you found it the next year. No, but I'm, I'm okay. convinced I'm going to go back up there with goggles someday. I've got it marked, and, and I'm going to go and find that darn rod. It may be in tough shape, but it'd be fun to have back. You know, when no, you, I've never lost when you, one. I was going to say, when you have seven and nine-year-old boys, um, you tend to get really good at fishing rods out of lakes. <laughs> yeah. I've never lost a rod that way. Um, I've stepped on them on the boat. Uh, uh, did a couple, I think, in a in a door or two, um, busted them. But I've I've caught several rods of people who have lost what, like you lost. Apparently, I mean, the, the whole rod, real line, real, uh, you know, even the lure still there, not in any good shape. Been there for years, but it happens. It happens, Billy. Didn't you recently? get a bait caster was that maybe last summer yes i did i did <laughs> i'm great <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i got one um, um a guy did me a favor on that lake and um uh and so then i went out fishing by myself and i'm I'm casting and I suddenly feel what I think is a bass initially, but no, no, it's not bass, but it's something's on the end of the line. I pull it in, it's a rod and reel, and not, not, hadn't been in the water too long. And so I kind of slushed it off a little bit. I said, What am I going to do with this? I go, I, I know what I'm going to do with this. So I went up to the guy's dock with the guy that helped me out, and he went home, but I just laid it there and left. And uh, it was sort of like a, a silent present. For him, uh, he may have thrown it in the trash. I don't know. <laughs> what bird pulled this out? Oh, yeah, gosh. right. Well, exactly. Well, hunker down. Uh, we're going to be doing these podcasts by headset here for a couple of weeks. I know it sounds a little bit different to folks today. We're not in the same room. We are practicing our social distancing, and. We're good with that for now. It's the right thing to do, so we're going to do it, but we'll continue to share stories. Ron, sure do appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Always fun to talk about our greatest gift, Bill. Good night. Good night. Uh, next week, we'll be back with another podcast, Minnesota Bound, the stories behind the stories. In the meantime, I hope you stay healthy. I'm Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. So there you go. A lot has changed in the world since Ron and I sat down in March of 2020 to have that discussion. The good news, nothing has changed with our greatest gift. It is still giving to all of us here in Minnesota. Hey, I want to thank all the sponsors who make the Minnesota Pound podcast happen each week. Of course, the podcast is presented by Connecticut. Also, a big shout out to our friends at the Minnesota Propane Association, Star Bank, the Minnesota Historical Society, Aquaside, and also the Minnesota Bound Crappie Contest. Until next week, don't forget to introduce a kid to the great outdoors. Mm -hmm.